0: There just has to be more. Have you ever thought something like that? There's got to be more. Have you ever pondered your life and thought to yourself, there just has to be more to my life and more to life in general than what I am experiencing? Have you ever wondered about your relationship with God and find yourselves desiring more, thinking there's got to be more in this relationship that I have with God? There's got to be something more rich for me than what I have right now. And have you ever just found yourself desiring more from God for the next few weeks? That's what I'm hoping will happen in your heart and mine. This series is a challenge to desire more. From your experience with God, more peace, more joy, more excitement, more zeal, more intimacy and closeness, more contentment, more power, more victory and more love, more of everything that would bring a deeper, richer, more fulfilling relationship with God into your life. I would like to submit that. What is missing in our lives, the thing that, that leaves us desiring more and feeling like there has to be more, that the, the, these things can be obtained except for the fact that there's stuff in the way. I don't think God is trying to make things difficult for us. Frankly, I think we are making things difficult for ourselves. What is in the way? Many of us are living our lives among the thorn bushes. I want to spend a little bit of time thinking about that. Traveling back in this past week that you just came through, how much time did you take to acknowledge the Lord God? Were you too buried or distracted or even disinterested to really focus on him and look toward him and gaze upon him? If I can interrupt myself for a second, I really want to encourage you in the weeks to come to take some time throughout each day to look for him. I know that you can't see him with your physical eyes, but if through faith and through the knowledge that you have of what the Bible says about him, if you will begin to seek him out through faith eyes, you can gaze upon the living God. I'm asking you to consider who he really is. I'd like for you in your minds to conjure up his glory and his majesty and his power and his his. Holiness and the beauty of the scene of him seated high, like Isaiah describes in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, high above the heavens and the earth and his glory filling the Lord, I, uh, the world. I want you, if you will, to take some time out of your day to just look at the Lord God. So if you're thinking back through the week that you've just traveled through, have you had any time to do that? For the next few minutes, would you please think about the way that you live your life? During a typical week, I have little doubt that most of us feel like uh, that we run out of time and energy before we run out of things to do. Amen? That seems to be the pace of our life. Your schedule is pretty full, isn't it? In fact, you might even say that it's... It's crazy. It's just too hectic. It's overwhelming. And I know a lot of people that I love very much who live life on the edge. They're always going, 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 and they're always overwhelmed by life in this country at this time in in, in history. In a moment of pure honesty, would you just admit that from day to day your stress and your anxiety levels are too high? We get there. We live that way at times. I guess what I'm asking is, are the joy of the Lord, the word of the Lord, and your relationship with the Lord being choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures? That's life among the thorn bushes. I felt kind of sorry for Betsy the other day. Usually, Betsy beats me here. Um, Our office opens at 9. She's usually here long before 9 o'clock. And I I, uh, don't always make it here um, before about 8.30. But on this particular morning, as I was preparing for this series uh, through the week, I just felt a real need to come into this church. I came early. And I was walking around here. And I'll be very honest with you, I was weeping. I began to cry out to God as I was thinking about my own life. I was thinking about the possibility that I had been guilty of living in the thorn bushes. It wasn't a pleasant thing to examine myself and realize that um, I'm getting buried in the things of this life and losing focus on the one that I should live for and poor Betsy she came in and I wasn't aware that she came in at this point I was sobbing and I was walking around this building praying for you but be honest with you praying mostly for me and asking God to forgive me for living life in the thorn bushes and Betsy had hardly stepped inside the door and I'm crying out out loud to the Lord and I looked up and she's standing there like a deer in the headlights the poor girl (laughs) And she 's probably thinking, I knew he would crack one day i didn 't know it was didn't know it was today i 'm saying there t- tears are tracking down my face, and i 'm talking out loud to God, which I do often when i pray that's it just helps me to pray and and i was I was really praying, I was prevailing in prayer and I looked up and saw Betsy there with that expression and she didn't know. Have you ever stepped into something and felt like, oh, I shouldn't have been here, but I don't. How do I leave? And that's where she was. <laughs> Poor Betsy just standing her and her mouth's a little over. She go like that. And, and I said, oh, Betsy, I, I'm so sorry I did that to you. I'm, I'm, I'm in prayer and and I didn't mean to make you feel awkward. And I loved what she said. She said, Pastor Ken, you keep praying. I don't want to interrupt with the Holy Spirit is doing here, and I sense him. And she just beelined it into the office, and I continued doing what I was doing. And what was happening in me, to be very frank with you, was that I was looking at my own life, and I was thinking about a typical week, and you need to hear me say this. I'm in the Word of God. I mean, every day I, I get in the Word. There's very few days that have ever gone by since I've come here as your pastor that I haven't been in the Word. I pray to the Lord regularly, and, and so I don't want you to get an image that I have somehow stopped doing those things. But I have realized that what has happened to me is that that has become more habit than it needed to become. And I'm just kind of here doing it and going through the motions more than I should. And I was recognizing that. And so I was crying out to the Lord. So in a moment of pure honesty, can you admit that from day to day you're struggling? Is there any of you, are there any of you who would sit here, and I don't want you to raise your hands, I don't want you to acknowledge it in any way to me, but as you sit here, you would say, that's me. There has to be more. There has to be something else. The joy of my life is being robbed, and the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life are doing it. That's life among the thorn bushes, my friends. In his book, Crazy Love, And I would recommend this book to any of you. It was written by Francis Chan. If any of you want to borrow my copy, you're more than welcome to first come, first serve. I'll give it to you to read. But in this book, Francis Chan, the author, reminds his readers that our lives are like a vapor. That's what the scripture says. And then he makes the following statement. On the average day, we live caught up in ourselves. On the average day, we don't consider God very much. On the average day, we forget that our life Truly is a vapor. And he goes on to make the case that we're just so quick to forget God. And he asked this question. It just haunted me. Who do we think we are? Who do we think we are to forget God? He says, and I'm quoting again, so many of us think and live like the movie of life is about us. And Chan's position is that the movie of life is not your movie. The movie of life belongs to God. God created the world. God populated it with people. God pursued a relationship with people and they rebelled. And then God returned and continued to pursue them. God's son came to the world to save it. God will come back and receive his church one day. God will judge us all one day. It's not your movie. It's not about you. It's about God. And ultimately, His plan will prevail. Ultimately, God's movie will play out exactly the way He wants it to play out. So our position, shouldn't it be more like what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Once again, to quote Chan, to be brutally honest, it really doesn't matter what place you find yourself in right now. Your part is to bring glory to God. And that's his position. And I've been thinking about that lately as I've been preparing this this message or this series of message called Desire More. Because frankly, my friends, I desire more. So what is it that causes regular church-going people to be forgetful about our God? The answer is we live life in the thorn bushes. Life's worries, riches, and pleasures choke out our biblically stated purpose to glorify God. And we forget. And we get so involved in ourselves that we forget to look up and see the living God we read Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15 at the beginning of this message. And verse 4 tells us something that I want to read to you. It tells us that a large crowd of people was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. And I have to tell you, that statement right there would very much impress most church leaders of today. A large crowd was gathering. We would stand there and say, we in the ministry, at a boy Jesus, you got it going on. Look at all of the people who are coming here. Unfortunately, especially in America, the holy grail is to get as big a crowd as we can get. And so a lot of us would, who are in ministry and especially our leaders would say, there you go. Look how many people are gathering around to hear you. And we would get all excited about that. We would, we would feel excited that that was happening. But I, I'm pretty amazed because many of us preachers, as Chan points out, are extra careful about what we preach. We want to preach in such a way as to make the word of God very palatable for everyone. We don't want to offend anyone. But Jesus didn't do that at all on that day. He used a statement that might be pretty shocking. He, he used a parable and he purposely eliminated all of those who weren't sincerely seeking him. And he says, if you have ears to hear me, let you hear. And his implication was, if you don't want to hear me, then you're not going to hear me. And frankly, I feel led to take a similar stance today. What I realize is that not all of you are going to accept what I'm about to say to you this morning. I realize that some... For some, this message will come off as just too radical and impractical. Some of you will not receive this because you will not have ears to hear it. And I don't say that in any arrogance or in any way to insult you. I just know that that's the truth. And so I share this with you for those of you who may have ears to hear what the Lord would say to you personally about this. In this parable, best known as the parable of the sower. Jesus talked about the soil of our hearts and the receptivity of our hearts. Chan emphatically asserts something that most American churchgoers won't like, but he believes that most American churchgoers are found in this parable, but not where we would like to be found. He would suggest that we're found among the thorn bushes, that too many of life's pleasures, too many of life's, Worries, too many of life's riches have choked out the vitality of a relationship with God as it is laid out biblically. And he cautions readers in his book not to just assume that they're good soil. I will leave that between you and God because I don't want to uh, overstate something. I don't want to stand here as your pastor and say, I don't think any of you are right with God because I know better. And I know many of you love the Lord and you're, you, you're good soil. But I will let you decide where you are in that because I do think it is important for you. Let's circle back to the question again, of uh, how you and I are living our lives. And let's come back to complete honesty with ourselves and with God. Do you have too much schedule and not enough time to fulfill it? Do you have pretty high stress and anxiety levels pretty much all the time? Do you forget the incalculable, faultless, eternal God from time to time who nonetheless loves you with an amazing, incomparable love? Is it possible that you're not good soil, but instead you're living your life in the thorn bushes? Chan asks his readers this question. Would you describe yourself as totally in love with Jesus Christ? Or do the words half-hearted, lukewarm, or partially committed fit better? You know what I think? I think you and I know exactly where we stand at this very moment as far as the issue of the soil of our hearts. We can answer these questions. The issue is what to do if we suspect that we're closer to lukewarm than fully committed. And I have to give you a disclaimer, my friends. I will agree with the author of this book, Francis Chan, when he makes this observation. He does not believe that there's any such thing as a lukewarm Christian. That's an oxymoron in his mind. He says there are lukewarm people, but he wouldn't say they are lukewarm Christians as he understands it, and I have to tell you I align with this as I understand it, people who are lukewarm sicking the Lord, and he ejects them. He dispels them. And so I wouldn't call them Christians. There's no, no, nothing that I can see that would indicate that these people are received into the kingdom of God. It's a dangerous thing, my friends, to find yourself lukewarm. It's a perilous thing to live life in the thorn bushes. So what do we do if we suspect we're closer to lukewarm than fully committed to the Lord? I would ask you to do some things this week because there are some things I think that can, can help. But I will tell you, your pastor is in process of this. I would ask you, church, to examine yourselves. We need to examine ourselves 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Now, most of us have already started doing this today. Just as I've been speaking, you've been evaluating, you've been thinking about your life and how you live it. You're taking stock of your level of commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm doing that. Understanding That the standard as stated by Jesus is to lay everything down. It's to make everything subservient to glorifying God, to put his purposes first in our lives. It It is good for us to look at our lives and assess if there are any thorn bushes around us choking out our devotion to Jesus Christ and our love for him. Are there things that stand between you and the Lord and the vitality of your relationship with him? In my 37 and a half year marriage, believe it or not, there have been some thorn bushes once in a while. And most time I put them there. I'll be honest about it. Darlene's easy. She's easy to live with. She's pretty easy going. She's not, she's not a difficult person. I, I had the honor of waking up next to the same person every day. And what I mean by that is I don't go to bed with one woman who's really happy and nice to me one morning and get up the next. And <sighs> I don't get that, and I'm really glad for that. Darlene's pretty much a steady person. And, and so most of the time, the thorn bushes that can get in there and choke the joy and vitality of a relationship is me. I do it. And I don't like it. I don't do it on purpose. I love my wife very much. I hate it when I when I hurt her. I hate it when I do things that, that are causing problems in our relationship. And I'll tell you what I want to do very quickly when I discovered that I'm being prickly to her or bothering her or upsetting her. I want to fix it because a happy wife is a happy life. And so I know that and I want her happy so that I get to enjoy the benefits of living with a happy woman. I, I won't mention names, but last night I was sitting with a young man who has just gotten married not very long ago. And I had to chuckle. I asked this gentleman, well, I didn't. Somebody else asked him, what are your plans tonight? And he says, well, my plans aren't, uh, I don't have very many plans tonight until my wife gets off of work. And when she comes home, she'll tell me what my plans are. I love that answer. I said, man, this man has wisdom. God has imparted upon him wisdom that I wish I would have had uh, way before 10 years into my marriage, right? And, and, and saying those things, I might make it a little bit of light, but, but I realize that there are times when there are things that can get between my wife and I and it'll cause of damage to our relationship. And it's not fun when you're not in perfect harmony together. And I don't care if you're married. If, if you're honest, you're going to say, you're right, pastor. That's not much fun because every marriage experiences those times. I heard a dear brother who's been married quite a while uh, say this morning in Sunday school, he has to make things right with his wife pretty much every day. I understand that. The thorn bushes can get in the way. And it isn't so much unlike uh, our relationship with the Lord. We can have things that will get in the way and it will choke the vitality and the joy of our relationship with God. Our posture in in our examining ourselves should be reflected in the brief parable that was given in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. This helps put... Jesus in perspective for my life. It's one verse, but it's a whole parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy, sold all he had so that he, and then he bought the field. Why? He didn't want the field. He wanted the treasure. What I want to say to you is there is nothing more valuable to you than Jesus Christ. There is no greater treasure that you can find in life than Jesus. And that's what this thing is about. How important are your things to you? Would you part with any of them for the sake of your relationship with Jesus Christ? How important are the people in your life? Would you part with any of them for the sake of your relationship with your God? Would you? How important is your job? Would you part with it? Would you change your job if it would better your relationship with the Lord, even if it meant you brought in less money so that you could have the richness of a relationship with God and, and live out His purposes for you? Are you willing for Him to inconvenience you? Are you willing to forgive somebody who has offended you even though they don't deserve it and even though they haven't asked you if that's what He asked you to do? Are you willing to do the hard things? Are you willing to sometimes even suffer if that's what he would call you to do? The, do electronics or sporting activities or hobbies or anything? Choke out your fire and your seal for God. That's what I was praying about the other day. I found that I'm just too buried in too many things and not enough fire remains in me. And I'm praying that God fans into flame in my heart again and catches me on fire. That's what I want. Because that's what he deserves. I want you to consider that. Let's examine ourselves this week. Let's at least have some honesty between us and God. And uh, and would we just be willing to do that, to just look at our own lives? Again, some here will not receive this. But for those of you with ears to hear... I remind you that the greatest commandment, the one that Jesus said is the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I believe the Holy Spirit would say something like this to us. Please stop acting as if this isn't my standard for you. Please stop living as if Jesus will say well done to you if you aren't totally committed to him. Please stop justifying ungodly attitudes, sinful speech, unholy deeds, and half-hearted attention to Jesus. Many of us are showing signs that we live life in the thorn bushes. So I beg you, in fact, I dare you to examine yourself this week. Second thing that I would suggest that we do is seek God's forgiveness. There's no way to sugarcoat this or put it any other way. If after we examine ourselves, we find ourselves living among thorn bushes, then we need to plead with Jesus to forgive us. It's that simple. We need to seek God. And again, I challenge you to just look at him and then look at everything else in your life and put a value on him and what's left in your life. For me, there's just no comparison. You need, me, you need to hear me say to you, I love my wife, but I love Jesus more. And I, I would never, I don't think the Lord would ever ask me to part ways with my wife, but I love him. And I appreciate the things that he's given me, but they're just things. They don't matter that much. My job, I like, I, I love being the pastor of this church, but for his glory, I'd walk away in a heartbeat because I love him. And I want his will. So I just ask you, look at him. Let me tell you, as I see it, the God I serve is worthy of all that I got. My very best. He has every right as God to tell me to lay down my, quote, rights, my plans, my dreams, my loved ones, my possessions, my entire being at his feet. Because it's not my movie. It's about him. So he can direct me. He can tell me what to do. It's not about me. And that's the kind of devotion I believe he deserves. If I have held back, in my view, I have sinned. And I have forgotten him. And I need his merciful forgiveness for that period. Does God need me to apologize? No. No, he doesn't need it because he's God. But in apologizing and seeking his forgiveness, it is a form of humbling myself before the Lord. And I will tell you, the sin that in many ways trumps all sin is the sin of pride. It's our unwillingness, our arrogance, our unwillingness to seek his forgiveness. That's the sin that propelled Satan, a created angel, to attempt to depose his own creator and the, the one and only God from heaven. That sin crouches at the door of every human heart, and it propels us to terrible rebellion against the one God. So I seek God's forgiveness because of my propensity toward pride and arrogance. The third thing that I would suggest that we need to do is repent. It is one thing to say you're sorry, and I have been doing that. It is another thing to change the way you live. Repent isn't complicated. That word shows up in the Bible. It's a biblical word. It's not complicated. It simply means to turn. It simply means if you're going in one direction, you turn away from that direction. You head head the other way. And in my case, I want to head toward the Lord. Go away from the things that are drawing me away from Him and seek His face. I desire more, my friends. People living life in the thorn bushes have to take actions that will draw them closer to Jesus and further away from those things and people that choke them out. We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to remove the thorn bushes from our lives. I'm going to say something to you. This whole series, when we're talking about desiring more, wanting to be closer to God, we're going to spend a few weeks in this. I'm going to tell you it really is a series about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn, if we haven't yet, that the Holy Spirit is not it. He is God. Name an attribute that God has, and the Holy Spirit has those attributes, because he is God. He seems to be our forgotten God, if you will. And we want to spend time, if anyone is going to enable me to draw close to the Lord, it's the Holy Spirit working in my heart. Maybe last week when you were listening to Brother Bill share his testimony and he was just matter of factly saying, well, I I was able to do this and then I I led this ministry and I went out on the street and I started this ministry. I know some of you sat there thinking that man is absolutely off his cheese slid right off his cracker. He's nuts to have done that kind of thing. But here it is. and And he made it very simple. He wasn't bragging on him. He was just simply saying, this is what God told me to do, and I obeyed, and I followed. You want to know who was speaking? The Holy Spirit. You want to know who enabled Bill to lead ministries and build churches and things? The Holy Spirit. And we're going to be looking in to our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 12 speaks of being transformed by the renewing of our minds through a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to be looking at together in our series let me just ask this question do you long for an authentic authentic, I'm sorry do you long for an authentic faith do you long for something more do you desire more I do and I'm wanting it and I'm seeking it and I will go after God for it I want to repent I want to walk away from those things that have distracted me not evil things, not in and of themselves wicked things, just things that I have gotten too buried in, set aside some things and make Jesus Christ the priority he needs to be in my life. Biblical biblical Christianity is not someone just praying for forgiveness and then going back to the old ways. It is repentance. It is turning. It is following Jesus. I long for this authentic relationship with the Lord where it needs to be. And I, I want to leave my life behind in the thorn bushes and just desire more and seek him. So please, seriously this week, consider examining your life and reflect on what it is to desire more. If there is something that I have said here that you want to talk to me about, I'm wide open to do that. I'm your pastor. I would love to talk to you about it. But I will tell you, I'm on a quest to be what God would have me to be. And there's no fancy way of putting that. There's no eloquent way of wording it. I desire more. I pray you will. I pray you'll go on this journey with me. Here's the good news. If nobody else goes, God is faithful. And if you want it, he'll give it to you. Even if nobody else goes, if you want it. He'll give it to you. That's what's beautiful about a relationship with the Lord. There's a real old song, and I'm not going to have you sing it, but it's, it's called I Have Decided. And one of the verses, uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And I love this one that says, if none go with me, still I will follow. And I want you to know that no matter what others do, it won't affect your ability to serve the Lord if you want to. You can go if the rest of the world goes the other direction, if that's what you want to do. The Holy Spirit will enable you to do it. Isn't that good news? I'm really glad that my wife doesn't like me based on how much everybody else likes me. She'll kiss me today, even if none of you would. And I... Because she likes me anyway. (laughs) Anyway. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad it isn't dependent on what you think about me. It's dependent on our relationship. And no matter what, Darlene and I can stay in our marriage and have a good marriage together. If that is true in a marriage, it is certainly true in our relationship with the Lord. I desire more. I pray you will too.